Well, it's one of those days where it just seems like it can't get any hotter than it already is. I'm in a, 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 a room with all the windows barred. I have no fan. I'm eating pizza pizza bites, and it's uh, like 32 degrees with the humidity. Hey, no better time to record a podcast, am I right? Now, Will, are the pizza bites decreasing your overall body temperature? I've heard that, you know, you could use sort of like a reverse psychology on your body by eating something warm. It actually makes you colder because your body's trying to cool itself down. Um, is that true? I'm af- I'm afraid I w- I wouldn't know anything about that. So have, have, have the I, pizza I, bites I didn't improved make this or, or uh, expedited the problem? Would you say? Kind of neither, actually. They're they're sitting pretty even, so I'm I'm happy enough for that. Net and net neutral from the pizza bites. Well, I'm glad to hear that at least your hunger satiated. Yeah, it's a push. I will try. I will try not to eat any during this recording session because, of course, nobody wants to hear that that type of ASMR here on the here on the show. And uh, I will also and it will also limit my burps as well. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's uh, really good to have you here. My name's Will Young, and uh, that guy on the other end of the line—that's Lucas Mancini. That's right. Uh, I'm I'm sweltering. I'm warm. Um, but we're, we're pushing through anyway. Well, I think one thing that's going to feel like a nice cool breeze is the fact that, Lucas, we are standing on a couple of new patrons to the show. Ooh, you'll love to hear this. I uh, I wanted to st- I wanted to start this off because of course you know with with the heat being the way it is it tends to make you a little a little droopy a little tired a little bit less energy but you know what perks us up is finding out that there are more people uh, who support the show so normally we do this right before the episode but I figure why not do it right up at the top and greet all of our new patrons uh, and the new ones include such luminaries such wonderful names as Scott Imura and Daniel Uptograph and Joe Low Flow Joe Low Flow. Just What's a couple up, of our, you know, you know, it was Sagwa that brought them in too. Yes, I believe so, and it seems that well, the new series for the kids is hitting something of a stride, and it's touching a lot of people's hearts and minds, and unlocking a memory, as we were saying previously. And uh, we've got a big one coming up next week, so. Uh, stay tuned to the end of the episode. We will let you know what it's going to be. But it's not just them that makes our Patreon go round. It's a lot of other people with names like Ursula Cat, Michelle Sprzinski, Hannah Lee, and Owen Lee Goldson, Teresa, Lion Dog ZXA, EJ Acra, Christine Liscody, Greg Hagai, Yoshi, Lily Warden, Melissa Avales, Josias Melendez, Andrew Power, Shelby Eden Dawkins Law, Matt, Pretty Cool Stairs, Marlo Stanfield, Rachel Pearson, Michaela Gibson, Kristen, Sierra S., Kat, Aaron DeFilippo, William, Shayna Bennett, Caitlin Harrington, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Jake Bailey, Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, Joe Sue, Christine Wong, Stella, Froppy, Emily Kay, Shandra LaFave Boten, John Griswold, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Light Relentless, Ian Collis, Leanne S., and John Dulong. Man, <laughs> I was just like, that's the longest it's ever felt, because technically this is the longest it's ever been, but I don't mind it one bit we're very thankful for all of our patrons so thank you and uh yeah that's just a a nice splash of of metaphorical cold water before we uh keep uh well much like arthur and the gang in this episode roaming through the desert i know it's so funny art imitates life right uh the amount of times where an episode of arthur has opened with something that's uh almost too real for the moment uh, and this is this is another case where we have the gang 
uh, trekking through uh, just a desolate wasteland of a desert. Now, of course, uh, not to not to uh, you know get things started before they mean to go on here, because it wouldn't be it would hardly be a an episode of Elwood City Limits without hearing from some of our lovely listeners over at Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. Let's take a little peek into the mailbag. I also want to kind of put something up top in front here. Now, of course, don't get us wrong. Over the last few years, we really, and I mean really, appreciate all the correspondence that we get from listeners and fans of Arthur. We do, and we want you to keep writing in. Just want to let you know that we get... Uh, the <laughs> let's just say the length on some of these emails can differ greatly. So uh, don't be surprised or try not to be disappointed if some of your email is a little bit edited for brevity, if you understand. Listen, people, Will is an editor by trade, okay? Uh, the guy's an expert on the craft of concisely uh, summarizing the written word. Um, you know, through your, your freelance writing work. So I, mm-hmm. I would put the utmost of trust and will uh, to be able to still convey uh, whatever your guys' emails try to get across. Of course. I will always try to keep the spirit of your email. I'm al- I will also do my best. I appreciate it when uh, our audience uh, shares personal stories and anecdotes, but there are some things I think that uh, shouldn't be broadcast. We've gotten emails in the past before where it's, you know, sharing somebody's um, medical information or just things that aren't pertinent to necessarily broadcast Their to uh, sin number, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, don't want it to be doing that. So yes, ed- it will be edited for content and brevity. But I promise you, we will try our best to uphold the spirit of the emails we get. So let's start it off here. This one is from Caleb who learned about ECL last year and has caught up on every episode. A lot of people have been messaging us saying that they're either in the middle of listening to all the episodes, and it makes me feel a little bad because we keep churning them out. I'm like, man, this is just making the people who are the late adopters to ECL um, have to do a lot of work here. And I've been in that position before. No worries. I don't feel bad. Uh, It's only going to get worse. (laughs) That is absolutely true. So Caleb, very excited to find a podcast dedicated to Arthur. Loves our video game, movie, and wrestling references. Good, because that's like the whole show. Uh, Laughed out loud at Arthur's cousin catastrophe when one of you commented on the scene where Arthur climbs a tree with binoculars by saying he was checking out the area Metal Gear Solid 5 style, which as was the style at the time, if I remember. Yeah, I think Metal Gear Solid 5, that episode's so old, it was brand new. Yes, that was definitely like I would go home from work and play Metal Gear Solid Five for like eight hours and then go to bed. I so that was... took the day off work to play Metal Gear Solid Five for like sixteen hours. Ooh, oh my god! And you weren't even you weren't even a quarter done at that point. Yeah, no. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Arthur Ties with Spongebob is my personal favorite animated television series. Good choice. I used to come home from school every day and watch two episodes in a row, sometimes even the same two, if different channels were airing them. My favorite characters are Arthur, Buster, DW, and Binky. Now, unfortunately, I feel the show isn't as good as it used to be due to some characters not acting like themselves anymore and weaker plots and humor. I personally consider seasons 1 through 10 to be the best, but there are some episodes I enjoy afterwards, like one where Brain becomes addicted to a Lost parody? I can't wait for that episode. That sounds incredible. That sounds amazing. 
however, by the time it reaches the Flash animated seasons, it feels like an almost completely different show. I'm interested to see what your thoughts on these upcoming seasons are. And that's from Caleb. Me too, Caleb. Uh, as always, we will try to keep an open mind and not dismiss anything outright. Okay, we'll move on from that one to Funith who loved our episode about ASM Arthur, got them to thinking about the subject as well as Lucas's movie suggestions. There's this one classic film from 1979 called The Black Stallion. I'm not sure if either of you have heard of it before. It's basically if ASMR was a movie starring a horse. It's an absolute must-watch that I highly recommend during quarantine that'll help keep a person's sanity intact. The soundtrack as well is very stellar. Uh, I use it for some of my Breath of the Wild play- playlist. It's like if Studio Ghibli made a live-action film. 10 out of 10 experience for me. So that's uh, that's on the Black Stallion from 1979. Now, uh, I, I feel like... Um, do you think this person understands the deep Canadian connection to the Black Stallion through the uh, French, New Zealand, and Canadian-produced television series... The Adventures of the Black Stallion, which aired on Family Channel and YTV, and I believe uh, Lu- was uh, partially filmed in Canada. Lucas, you might have to go a little bit deeper into this. I don't think I know. You don't know about the Black Stallion? No, Mickey no. Rooney's in it. Yeah, no. It's 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 a it was an it was a YTV show um, that was like a, a spinoff of the of the film, I think. Um, and okay. it's it's like it was only on like Canadian television. I had no idea about that. There, there's a couple of like horse-related things that I kind of get confused because there's there's the Black Stallion, there's Black Beauty, there's Pit Pony. Like they were all kind of around Pit Pony when I was a kid. Has, yeah, Pit, Pit Pony. We we know people who were in Pit Pony. Uh, yes, absolutely, we do. Or sorry, I'm also thinking of Squanto. Yes, uh, we definitely are both friends with somebody who is a featured extra in Squanto. But I also think I do know people who are in Pit Pony as well. I bet you we do. By you know what? By the uh, the chain of Nova Scotians knowing each other. Uh, our next one comes from uh, former guest of the show Viv. Um, so I thought this I thought this question and what Viv had to say was kind of interesting. Although it seems a little uh, odd for us to be answering it, I think it deserves to be answered all the same. Viv wants to know what is our gender and what are our pronouns. This, this one's, I think, easy for the both of us, uh, but Lucas, I'll let you speak for yourself as well. Yeah. Uh, I I identify as male, and uh, he, him. I am a cis, hetero, white guy. I'm the most, I'm as vanilla as you can get. That's, it's the same here. Ditto. Viv says, you two and everyone listening to the episode should try and succeed to ask this question to people you know and new people you meet. I agree. We do our best to always make sure that um, our listeners' gender is represented when you usually when you uh, write into the mailbag. And please, if you're ever if you ever want us to be absolutely clear on your gender, your pronouns, please include them in your email. We are happy uh, to make sure that you feel included. So Viv makes a good point there. Uh, and uh, additional question here from Viv: When you were little, did you ever want? Did you ever wanted to do something that seemed very important, but was actually really stupid? Viv uh, mentioned in the email like uh, uh, she wanted to uh, like make a campaign to save a type to save the squirrels. I think it was, and uh, her mother informed her that uh, no, the squirrels don't need saving. So something you want you felt very strongly about as a little kid that was deeply stupid. Oh man! Oh my goodness gracious! I'm not sure. Uh, I feel like movies like Max Keeble's Big Move 
uh, gave me an over-inflamed sense of self-importance as like an 11-year-old uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of like the uh, ability to community organize yes. as a, uh, uh, you know, someone who is a child. Mm-hmm. So I think I was always trying to organize, but I, I can't think of specifics. Um yeah, I mean, mm. I believed in a lot of silly things as a kid. Uh, I wanted to believe that Digimon were real, but uh, nope, unfortunately not. I wanted to believe Pokemon were real, as a matter of fact, but nope, not that either. In terms of causes, I don't know if I ever really believed in any certain cause that was foolish, but, I mean, my memory is not what it used to be, and it never used to be very good anyway, so. I would get really upset when my parents drove each other's cars when I was really young, like when I was like five. I would oh, yeah? throw a tantrum if my, my dad drove my mom's car. I never liked it when my dad wore his glasses or shaved his beard. Okay. His mu- shaved his mustache <laughs> when he was a kid. Like, he just looked, he looked too different, and I, uh, and I, there was like a version of my dad that I liked better, and it was without the glasses okay. and with the mustache. Yeah, that, I, I think that's just uh, object permanence or the lack thereof. Uh, speaking of guests on the show, we have another one writing into us. This is uh, Anna, Anna Mansager, who is sitting in Los Angeles, sipping on a margarita, sending us an email. Uh, Anna had some very nice things to say about the episode on When Carl Met George. It, uh, it was lovely to hear everyone's emails. Also made me think about how I'd like to see more Arthur episodes featuring neurodivergence. Uh, I think in, um, yes, so featuring neurodivergence. Uh, yes, I agree, and I would really hope that that's something we see more of. I don't know the full breadth of, uh, what kind of topics that Arthur explores in the next, you know, 15 seasons or so, so I certainly hope that there's more of that as we keep going forward. This is a little nitpicky of me, perhaps, but it has always bothered me that Bitsy Baxter was cool with Buster and Arthur watching a scary movie without her supervision. Although she's chilled out over the years, I'm guessing if this movie, The Squirrels, is a direct correlation to the birds, it's probably not appropriate for eight-year-olds, which Bitsy should know, as she mentioned it scared her when she was their age. And she always seemed pretty cautious when it comes to raising Buster. I also feel like Arthur's mom might not have been okay with it if she knew they were watching it, because when the Tibbles wanted to watch that Power Rangers-type show, she told them they don't watch that sort of thing in her house. In fact, I remember my mom being angry with another mom after allowing us to watch Candyman at a sleepover when it really wasn't appropriate for our age group. I remember a lot of kids at my school being introduced to scary movies through older siblings, so it might have made more sense to me if Catherine was the one to introduce it to them when hanging out at Francine's or something. That's something I don't think will ever ever really go away as much as like movie rentals and stuff like that are a thing of the past uh being introduced to movies you really shouldn't be by either older siblings or friends or negligent <laughs> i don't i don't want to say negligent parents but well, uh, it lax, makes a question will lax would, parents would you show an eight-year-old the birds i, I don't think it think would so. be okay i think it, it depends like if they're like some eight-year-olds get really freaked out by stuff that's like not even particularly scary um but like yeah. if an eight year old can handle, for instance, like Coraline, I think they can handle the birds. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I again, kind of a case by case basis. That's a good point. Uh, I, th- I think if it's my kid, they're not going to be able to handle it because uh, <laughs> Jen and I both have anxiety. So uh, that kid's doomed. Uh, finally, uh, yeah, for... I, I feel like yeah. My, <laughs> if I was eight, my parents were watching, letting me watch like you know Star Wars Episode Three, which has like child murder. 
Um, yeah, little intense. Yeah, whereas the birds, I don't think there's barely like any on-screen deaths in the birds. I think if I if I remember correctly, I saw the birds fairly young, but I was a little bit older than eight. I think it was like twelve or thirteen or something when I first watched that movie. Um, True, but the idea of the birds turning evil and attacking people for no reason sounds uh, might sounds really ill. <laughs> <laughs> might might sit poorly with a kid but who's to know maybe you've got a cool kid uh fern and persimony glitch it really love this episode for two reasons one because i'm a huge series of unfortunate events fan uh i'm wondering if the quick little thing of fern tightening her bow before starting to write her story is an actual reference to series of unfortunate events because in the book violet always puts her hair up in a ribbon before creating an invention to save the day i choose to believe that's what that was oh that's a good catch i forgot about that yeah. The second reason I love this episode is that it gives genuinely good writing advice and actionable steps that even a kid can follow. Way, way back in my first visit to ECL in the Reading Rainbow episode, stay tuned, I think I mentioned I was in L.A. to become a writer. It's been about two years since then. Jeez, my God, it has. And in that time, I've managed to sell a few freelance scripts here and there, one to Nickelodeon. That's awesome. The second piece of advice the episode gives is once you've imagined horrible things happening to your critics, consider if they have any valid points. I think this is a really solid piece of writing advice that isn't often touched on. It's easy to become defensive when someone criticizes something you worked hard on, but all of writing is rewriting, and once you're able to get past that defensive stage, criticism is super important to the rewriting process. If any listeners out there are considering becoming writers or screenwriters, I highly recommend a writing group. I go to one every single week, and it has improved my writing greatly. Usually if someone has a criticism of my script that doesn't make much sense i ignore it however if several people have the same criticism i know it's something i need to change i hope both of you are doing okay and that lucas continues to gain experience in his skateboarding endeavor p.s i also enjoyed butter sandwiches on white bread as a kid although i can no longer eat bread so i'm glad we got a uh we we got a couple of uh writers responding to that episode so i'm glad that it seems to be uh cromulent advice to take Skateboarding update. My roommate's progressing faster than I am, but I did hit a shove it last week. Nice. So. Now, for, for those who maybe didn't grow up on Tony Hawk's, what's a shove it? Ooh, it's hard to explain. So, well, okay, so first you learn the ollie, right? And that's when you make yep. the board jump. Um, mm-hmm. And then the shove it is basically, it, you like, um, you're, not, you're not jumping. Uh, you're kind of like f- flicking the board around in a circle uh, without jumping up. Um, yes. but you're, you're kind of catching it mid spin. So it kind of, um, reorients in a way where it's where it was when you started. Um, I'm not doing a great job. If you look up, shove it on YouTube, it's a better example, but that's kind of what it is. Uh, next I'm going to try and learn how to drop in. I think that's the next thing I want to learn is, is how to, you start on a ledge and then you go down the ledge. Oh my um, God. That's, that's it's so scary. Well, it's scary. <laughs> Well, uh, I certainly hope that you, you won't have to do any of these episodes from the, from the hospital. So please mm-hmm. be careful, but continue having fun. These I like these updates. Listen, I'll let everyone know, all of you listeners out there, I'm so dedicated to my craft. Um, yeah. Recording ECL is one of the few things I could do from the hospital. So uh, know that if if I uh, if this res- if this new endeavor results in any sort of serious injury, unless my face is wired shut like Kanye in that one song. Um, mm. I will be recording. I'll see. And you know what? And Cody still recorded that song with his face wire shut. So I will record regardless through the wire, as they say. But that's what we'll call that episode if that ever happens, which it won't. 
Uh, our next one's from Caitlin Ward, who is from Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Born in uh, 1992, so I'm older than the series. I'll be 29 years old next year. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty decent year, Caitlin. I'm not sure I could really choose a tried-and-true favorite character. I've liked DW because I'm a little sister. Uh, 13 years between my older sister and I. And I've been told that I was annoying. I also enjoy Muffy because I have daydreamed about being rich like her. Fern because I love to write poetry. And Sue Ellen because I have a collection of journals. I grew up reading the Arthur Adventure picture books. I had an Arthur-themed sixth birthday party. I've read the chapter books, and I had three of the plush dolls, Arthur, D.W., and Muffy. So I was very, very glad to find your podcast. Well, Caitlin, I'm glad you found us, too. I I would have loved to see that Arthur birthday party. Not something that I ever did, but I kind of wish. I kind of wish that I had now. Our last one here comes... Relating to a character, because people say they're annoying. As someone who gets told that they're annoying all the time... Uh, I'm all here for it. Yeah, I think that's important. We do need that's a that's a not very t- uh, publicized uh, advantage of annoying characters is that it gives annoying people representation. Uh, yeah, representation. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. So, and I mean that is important in its own way. Uh, finally, we got an email from Blake here about casting the live-action Arthur movie. We've been getting a lot of these fan casts lately, and Blake, first of all, wants Arthur the movie to be written and directed by Edgar Wright. And like, yeah, when I go through the pearly gates, pal, that's what they'll that's what they'll greet me with. But it's nice to dream. Uh, some of some of these now. Blake did say, I tried to make it legit and crazy at the same time, and I think you'll see what he means. So I picked out a couple of their casting. So. First of all, the main man, Arthur, is Rami Malek with glasses. Okay. Does he have the, uh, like, the, the the mouthpiece from Bohemian Rhapsody where he can, like, barely talk because he's got, like, the teeth in? <laughs> like, oh, is that oh, a mouthpiece? Oh, darling. Is that was, oh, that was a mouthpiece, was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is not his real teeth. Okay. They gave him I'm crazy prob- teeth. Probably a good thing, I suppose. Um, others include Charlie Day as Buster, which I really like. Ooh, I like it. Charlie Day as Buster is pretty perfect, actually. Uh, John Cena as Binky, which, I mean, I'd like it. I don't know if it's the perfect fit, but, you know, not too bad. Hey, the man's got some comedic chops. Michael B. Jordan as Brain. Ooh, inspired choice. Yeah, I mean, he can he can basically play anything. Um, we got Emma Stone as Muffy. Emma, Emma Stone as a Muffy. Uh, interesting. Think about, it's her funny, in the the, the ha- variance, Think about her in the second half of the vi- Easy A. Yeah, I, I suppose. I, the variance in ages of these actors is interesting, too, because I think John Cena is like significantly older than everyone else, but I guess Biggie's supposed to be older than the gang as well, so it kind of makes sense. Hmm. Uh, Sarsha Ronan as Sue Ellen. Oh. She, strikes me, she strikes me as worldly. Yes, Sarsha Ronan as Sue Ellen or Fur. Uh, we've also got, uh, Kieran and Shipka as DW, which, a little old for the role now, but at some point, I feel like that would have been pretty good. Um, yeah, oh my goodness. That's one of those actors, for me, Kieran Shipka could do no wrong. One of my faves. Everybody needs to go and watch The Black Coat's Daughter. Most underrated movie ever. I I keep meaning to. And you're the reason. I keep, no, I haven't seen it yet. I keep meaning to. So underrated. I'm so, it's, it's nobody I'm sorry, talks I, about that movie. It's so good. You know what? I'm gonna see if I can uh, uh, reserve that at the library because now the library is taking holds again. Mm. So m- let me see if I can get my hands on it. Uh, okay, couple, just a couple more here. Uh, Arthur's parents, Christian Slater and Maya Rudolph. 
Uh, Christian Slater, okay. maybe. Maya Rudolph, definitely. I, as long as, let's listen, I just want to get Christian Slater to get more work. That's true. I'm always down to see CS in a, in a project, so no no disrespect. Uh, we do have a fern here, and it's Lil Uzi Vert. Love it. Okay, perfect casting. Now we're talking. <laughs> Uh, no, Lucas, you haven't seen Perfect Casting. Here's the last one I'll read off. Uh, the Tough Customers? It's Migos. Oh, hell yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. uh I, I think that's, that's good stuff. I wonder, okay, now, okay, now, Will. Yes. Like, who is, who is Rattles, uh, Molly, and, what's the other guy's name? Uh, oh, um, did he get a name? The third guy in the Tough Customers? Uh, well, the the dog. Yeah, I don't know if he hasn't. I'm sure he has a name, but like, I don't know what his Let, name is. Hmm. I would say he would be Takeoff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess Molly. Molly is is off. No, Molly would be Quavo, and okay. Rattles would be Offset. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm down with that. Uh, but that's the one I wanted to end on because I felt it was particularly strong. And that also means they would probably get their own, like, rap, which mm, I'm all mm, for. Mm. All right. So thank you, everybody, for the emails. Again, that's elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. And now we can get into the episode proper. I mean, uh, I'm f- we've certainly been feeling flush with all this humidity, but the episode itself is called Feeling Flush. And it really, it literally, literally starts with the kids being lost in the Sahara Desert after an errant bus trip. Yeah, this whole sequence is so funny. Um, like so, like I was saying off top before the emails, uh, art imitates life. Um, the the I'm seeing on the screen exactly what I was feeling in the moment of these kids like crawling, uh, looking for for water. And there's just some great humor in here. Like when all they have left to eat is like chili pepper popcorn, extra spicy version. Um, and then there's this bottle of water that that Arthur is trying to. Um, really impart on the rest of the kids that they need to savor as much as possible and ration out, and all the kids are just wasting it. Um, Muffy's They're using like it to sc- try and scare off a vulture. I think Francine's reason is really funny. She's like trying to wash a mark off her hand because you can't tell if it's just like dirt or a freckle. Yeah, <laughs> I have done that before. I know exactly what Francine's trying to do. It's just definitely not the time for it. And then Binky and then, makes uh, a water uh, balloon. That's right. Biggie makes a water balloon, and then eventually Arthur just gives in and chugs. Uh, and everybody's mad at him. So something, I mean, I, it tangentially relates to what we're talking about here, but it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch. So the entire episode has to do with the idea of conserving water, which is a concern to Francine's family because Francine has just moved recently from uh, taking baths to taking showers. Which is a big step. I, I don't remember exactly the age I was at when I started taking showers instead of baths, but it would have been around here. It's really funny because when I was a little kid, I far preferred baths to showers, and now I haven't had a bath in like six years. No, a bath is too much work, man. It's just like, and, and I always find that I, this might be like a me thing, but every time I'm in a bath, I can just hear the water going down the drain, and I'm just, and eventually, like, I'm left with half the water I started out with. So. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's up with that. Probably just all the water I'm displacing. But, yeah, no. I, I really don't F with baths anymore. I, I can't stretch my legs out to the bottom, and I'm a pretty short guy. You know what I mean? And I still go to bend my legs. 
yeah, so Francine is I uh, this also uh I found interesting. So Catherine tells Francine that there is a drought in Elwood City, which means that they have to abide by water con- conservation uh rules. And I wondered if if this affected any of our listeners who maybe live in the California area because of course I remember listening to Giant Bomb, the Giant Bombcast a lot and talking about how they're in California and they have to conserve water. That's right. So that's they the get mad at I their neighbors of. for watering their lawns. Yes, exactly. So I wonder if this kind of uh, touched a nerve, perhaps, with any of our other listeners. Um, and Arthur is kind of being taken to task as well. DW is uh, being conscious about how much water that Arthur is using. Uh, I forget exactly what the line was here, but it made me realize... Oh, it was that DW was saying we need to conserve water uh, for future generations, to which I it made me realize Arthur and DW, both technically millennials. If if, oh. if we were to take the fact that Arthur debuted in 1996, they started off as four and eight. So although they don't really age, they would be millennials. Do you think like Arthur and DW are going to be like posted on Twitter about how they're like adulting and stuff? Absolutely. Talking Arthur... about... Talking about- heckin doggos and all that all that stuff um to some degree i think so i think they would have at least dabbled in it dw strikes me as more of a tiktok team i think she's, yeah she's, i don't she, know she's got a flair for the dramatic it's true it's true arthur and francine both kind of relating their stories about how their family is telling them to conserve water arthur apparently needs to keep the water going while he's brushing his teeth because he needs he needs it to like like the calming noise to which Francine says, you need calming when you brush your teeth. A little weird. Francine's <laughs> delivery, delivery on that is so great. Yeah. Her delivery is perfect. Yeah. And also like kind of agree, but we all have our little things. So I don't want to judge anybody too fiercely before we get a bunch of emails. Like I, I leave the tap on when I brush my teeth. Look, it's not you I'm talking about. So they decide to they, – they get increasingly frustrated with each other before they make a bet. Whoever can conserve the most amount of water, essentially use the least amount of water uh, in the next week, will carry the other's backpack for a month. And their backpacks, like, immediately they, like, kind of hoist them up, and they're pretty heavy. So it's a – you know, they're not just going about that stipulation lightly. And at this point, we meet one of our throwaway characters of the week, is it the best – We'll have to see in a second. Mr. Sanders, the landlord, uh, who Francine meets while she's measuring the amount of water that her apartment is using. So what did a, you make of this guy? So a couple questions here with Mr. Sanders. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to give him a throwaway character of the week status because I'm not sure if he's throwaway. Like, do we see Mr. Sanders again? They put so much time and characterization mm. to Mr. Sanders, the landlord. I Landlord. The landlord. I wonder if he's sticking around. And also, didn't we already see, like, Francine Super before? Like, in the episode where she's drumming on the roof and stuff like that, and it was a different guy? It might have been... That might have been a situation where that was, like, a... Uh, um not, not mechanics, not the word, but, like, you know, the person who... The handyman who, like, goes around and fixes stuff. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that the building's under new management. We don't know. Uh, I will say, uh, Mr. Sanders... I love, love, love how they made him such a typical landlord. Like, what he's talking about, like, oh, yeah, I just started charging everybody more rent, and it was cheaper for me to take care of the water. 
And then he's talking about, later on in the episode, uh, uh, Francine talks about uh, reinstalling low-flush models of toilets in, in every apartment in the building. And, he, and it's the way, the way they do that whole scene is really funny because, like, he's complaining about that petition. And he's like, oh, do you know how much it would cost? How many units are in this building? And, like, Francine just, like, tunes him out. Um, so, yeah, Mr. Sanders, uh, I hate him, um, as you should a landlord. So I think a great representation uh, of the landlord class here uh, this week. So, so a true, he- a true heel. He's hateable, yes. but you respect yes. him because you hate him. Um, yeah, that's what I kind of wanted to ask. You know, I should have asked my wife because she is uh, a, a big nerd about tenancy laws. To to our credit, but I was thinking like raising the rent uh, and the landlord paying the water. I like. I suppose it seems like a typical landlord move, but is it like? Like, how sketchy is it on the sketchometer? Well, if we're going by Nova Scotia tenancy laws, um, if, if everybody's lease was up, he could do whatever the hell he wants on the, on the new lease. But I, mm. I, I don't know if he'd be able to do it on the same lease. I think that, like, you're not allowed to change the rent um, until it's, it's the, a different lease period or whatever. Um, yeah, you, you need a lot of notification before you do that. I, I just I just felt like I had to ask, especially because trust in landlords is at an all time low. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I did uh, I did like Francine genuinely tuning this guy out. Uh, so Francine's first bid to save water is by putting a plastic bottle in the toilet tank, which is not something I've ever heard of. But I was actually kind of curious to try it after watching it here in the episode. And unfortunately, in kind of tussling with Catherine over putting the putting it in the to- the back of the toilet, they break the toilet lid. Yeah, I've never heard of this either. And I was just thinking about that scene where they break the toilet li- lid. I was recoiling because I could see it coming. There's a lot yeah. this week of the age old Arthur gag of two people pulling on the same thing, and tons of like bait and switches with that, and 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 the tension that arises from two people pulling on something and the destruction that ensues. Um, and in this case, when they were pulling on the, the toilet lid, all I could think about was just how uh, ungodly loud it would be mm. to shatter one of those things on a tile floor. Right. Yes, absolutely. And uh, heavy, too, and poten- potentially very dangerous. But no, never fear, Francine and Catherine basically get off scot-free. Their, her, their parents don't even really give them a mean look. They're just like, hey, Francine, take shorter showers, and Catherine, you should uh, do this. And like... And, and of course, tell the landlord about the broken lid of just like, wow, they really got off easy here for making such a big mess, a clatter. Um, if Fran- I did like Francine does tell Mr. Sanders about the broken lid. And this is where she kind of gets tries to get him to use the economy toilets, which have is, is it that they don't what what is they the idea less, behind they, the they, economy toilet? They just use less water to flush. That's a real okay. life thing. Economy toilets. Um, yes, and, and, I, I, and to which I, I wrote down, listen, I'm as much for water confers, conver, eh, conservation as mm-hmm. the next guy. Um, but let me tell you something, Will. If the economy toilets doesn't get the job done, if you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. uh, then I'm going to be using I'm, – I'm just going to be using more water is what I'm, what I'm basically trying to impart upon you is that. Any sort of toilet yeah. – let's say we have a situation – Okay. Yes. In the bathroom, yeah. we've all had them. Um, you know, it may, let's say it's Monday, right? And you got the Big Mary Monday from Mary Brown's. <laughs> sure. I don't know if the conservation toilet's going to cut it. No, it's true. I mean, hey, man, it happens to literally every one of us. 
So I appreciate the idea behind uh, conservative toilets, but uh, I mean, when push comes to shove, so to speak, uh, is does it really have your back like a normal toilet? I don't know. I can't say. Uh, but I think this is a very valid concern you're raising. Um, so Francine ta- uh, is is kind of pushing this to Mr. Sanders, and she says, and, and she says, think of the savings. And Mr. Sanders is like, nope, I'll just buy the lid. So I, I again, another good delivery here. Speaking of uh, jokes landing, uh, <laughs> Francine goes to take a shower at Muffy's place. Uh, and this, excuse me, I don't want to get ahead of myself. There is a scene with Arthur back at home where DW is like collecting like hundreds of liters of water in various jugs and Arthur's going crazy. By the way, I had this question at some point in the episode. They are, they are looking at the water, the meter reader essentially in the basement connected to the pipes. Uh, I was wondering how they were measuring the con the conservation. But that's well, yeah. Earlier, early on, when they make this bet, it's definitely they're going by the honor system, right? I was like, how yes. are they going to measure the water? Uh, but yeah, this part where B- Arthur walks in and there's just like buckets of water everywhere. Um, I got the tweet already for you, Will. Uh, you Do just it. take a screenshot of that, and then you just say uh, signs M Night Shyamalan 2002. Oh, uh, brill! Boom, brill! Uh, I love uh, it. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind, but you're absolutely right. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yes. I can't wait to do that one. I love those ones. Um, an, a, another, another legit laugh here. So Francine at Muffy's place getting a shower instead of using her own water. And Muffy says, oh, yeah, mommy and daddy want me to put the cover on the pool. Apparently it, it saves, it saves them money on their water bill. And Francine's like, oh, do you need help with that? Because you're thinking, like, it's going to be, you know, the kind that you, like, pull over the pool or you physically put there. And she's like, no, that's okay. I've got it. And she literally pushes a button and a screen goes over it. I laughed. I thought that was really funny. Francine and Arthur both catch each other in the act of conserving water by going to other people's places. Like, Arthur is brushing his teeth at school. Uh, but he also knows about Francine going to Muffy's for a shower. So they both agree to take a little bit of a penalty uh, for cheating, essentially, and to do the rest of it on the honor system. So to their credit, there's a great line here when Binky steps out of a stall because Francine, like, busts into the boys' bathroom. is like, I knew you were cheating. And Binky steps out of the stall and says, what? How did she get in here? That's like Adorable. our sole Binky moment these entire two episodes, but it still it still hits the same way. Again, hoarding those like sweet, sweet water. Uh, so uh, there's a little bit of a montage of them all using uh, as little water as possible. But for some reason, uh, Francine is not only not not only is her use of water going not going down, but it's going up for some reason. And they are the Frenskys are using the most amount of water in the building which could indeed uh, lead to a situation where no one has water. And we get a little bit of a daydream about that. And this is, uh, this is pretty fun. It's, it's, it's very Mad Mask Fury, Mad Max Th- Fury Road-esque, uh, where we get, like, Elwood City has turned into a desolate, uh, uh, waterless wasteland, uh, complete with uh, tumbleweeds. Uh, and we get Binky and his family begging for water. And you know what? I think this guy might be the throwaway character of the week. Uh, the guy who, who gives them, he has a water, like a dropper in his wallet. That's in a special dropper case and drops a single uh, drop of water (laughs) into a mug for binky. 
I thought that was great. I loved all I loved all the wind up for the dropper. It was so fun. And it's like a guy in a business suit too and a hat. Great stuff. And and Vinky's like swearing revenge on Francine for doing this. And uh Muffy was supposed to host a pool party in Francine's imagination, but because of her family using all the water, uh, they're just in the pool. They're, they they it looks like they failed the dr- the drop off there. They got into the pool. Now they can't get out. Francine is concerned concerned about how much water they're using. By the way, it's around here where um they're comparing their uh, the amount of water they both used, and they use like a uh like a flushing like a water spiral kind of uh, transition, a flush transition. I can't oh, yeah, believe yeah, they I haven't fr- been using that. I, I I copied down the flu- the flush tra- the toilet flush transition is extra gross and extra awesome. <laughs> I just feel like in an earlier season we would have used that for like every scene transition, so I'm a little disappointed that we didn't. Uh, <laughs> this is again this episode a couple of really good lines. This one struck me funny. So Arthur is like saying, "Oh yeah, I used I managed to save this much water," and Francine is like, "Well, I managed to save this much." And shows Arthur how much uh, she used within the month and or within the week. And Arthur's like, like, what? You used this much? Francine, do you run a car wash in here? Yeah, I think Arthur is like 10,000 liters or something. And then Francine's is like 30. It's like literally three times the amount that that Arthur Mm -hmm. has. It just seemed it just seemed like a very dad thing to say of just like, why'd you leave the water on? Do you think we run a car wash in here? Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's it's the same thing with the uh, you know what's what's why is the AC on full blast? Is this supposed to be a uh, industrial freezer or something? So Buster is convinced. Uh, I'm surprised we actually managed to to fit this into this episode. Uh, Buster is convinced that the culprit is aliens, and the specific aliens he's thinking of are like these jelly-like creatures that look like humans, but you can also see the level of liquid that's contained within them. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. I really, lo- I really like that. And you'd expect to be something like similar to the snowball episode, where it's just like, okay, they like want water, like, or just like the movie signs. They're, they're, or no, in signs they were weak to water, uh, which begs the question: Why would they invade a planet that's mostly water? Um, yes. But uh, uh, it, you'd think, okay, are they like trying to steal the water? What's going on? It's like no, they just need to use the washroom over and over and over again, and they particularly like Francine's washroom. <laughs> and then and then all this of a sudden classic they he- buster stuff it's been a while since we've just had like a buster it was aliens uh moment i feel like it's been multiple seasons yeah and i definitely wasn't expecting one to show up here so it was actually kind of a nice surprise uh they hear the toilet flushing and it's not obviously not francine it's not her parents and it's not Catherine. so who could it be and it seems that all the toilet flushing is the culprit, and it turns out it's because Nemo has gotten into the bathroom, and because the lid is off the toilet, he is watching the kind of the 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 thing that bobs in the back of the toilet go up and down, so he keeps flushing it. Did you see Which this actually, coming, I was, Will? I was legitimately I, surprised. Usually, when Arthur has a mystery, like the case of the missing library books, we we already guess it like way ahead of time. This legitimately, like, I was like, oh, I did not put this together that it was Nemo. No, I didn't either. What I thought it was was that, like, I don't know, the toilet's faulty or something. But no, I actually thought this was a kind of a good. It kept me guessing. See, this this, this is a lot about what I think about landlords. I thought it was going to be like the landlord was using their washroom. <laughs> that would be that would actually be the best answer, but no, unfortunately not. So uh, Francine, good as her word here, she does uh, carry Arthur's backpack. 
Uh, he tries to load it with less books since he won the competition. But we end on a shot of Francine's apartment and saying that she did manage to convince the landlord to buy Econo toilets, which this episode, kind of an ad for Econo toilets. It certainly got me thinking about it more than I ever have in my life. But, I mean, for good reason, I suppose. And we get we get a one big flush from everybody. So apparently it works. And uh, water conservation, it's a thing we should be aware of. Speaking of things to be aware of, uh, the second half of our episode is coming up right after this. We'll be right with you after these messages. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You can go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new a bi-weekly PBS Kids review show as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review you can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord which me and Will like to post it from time to time and if you want that sweet sweet Elwood City Limits merch check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store you can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. So from conserving water to... Um, well, my God, Lucas, I'm not really sure that I saw this coming. It's the resurgence of Antiques Roadshow, in a way. I gotta know, what are your thoughts on the Antiques Roadshow? I, I, let's, let's do this. We'll do this for the kids style. First off, one of the greatest theme songs of all time. Now, I have to confess to you, I've never watched an episode of Antiques Roadshow. Will, you've never watched an episode of the Antiques Roadshow? My goodness gracious. It's a, it's a PBS staple. Now, it's not a PBS kids show, so we can't review it for, for the kids. But let me tell you something, Will. I highly recommend Antiques Roadshow. Because only one of two things ever happens, right? Yep. The guy walks in, thinks he's got a valuable piece of furniture, you know, passed down from his great-great-grandfather, um, you know, 1800s, blah, 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 blah. And then, boom, worthless, knockoff. It was made 10 years ago. Uh, see you later. Uh, you know, the Antiques Roadshow, it's really about highs and lows. Because then some people are like, oh, yeah, it's this chair my grandma used to own. Boom, $100,000. Valuable artifact. It uh, belonged to Archduke Franz Ferdinand. So if you love that kind of just riveting television, uh, the Antiques Roadshow is the show for you. Second of all, Will, if you haven't heard the Antiques Roadshow theme song, um, I'm surprised no one's made like a trap remix of the Antiques Roadshow theme song because it really does it hits like it is it is a slapper, um, and hmm. I think it's it's very uh, realistic, true to life 
that who is Arthur watching the Antiques Roadshow with? His grandmother. I, too, have watched the Antiques Roadshow hanging out at my grandmother's house after school as a child. Do you know, it's just not something that was ever anything that I interacted with. The only, th- I only really know, I'm, I'm actually really glad that you have experience with this, Lucas. It'll help us because I only know Antique Roadshow is like a joke of like, it's the show old people watch. So I never watched it with a family member or anything. I was just like, oh, that's the old people show. I don't care. In my, as I get older... Like, <laughs> this is the most, I've, again, the most I've thought about Antiques Roadshow. Again, uh, sorry, the story is called uh, Family Fortune. Uh, it did kind of get me interested. I'm like, what have I been missing out on? So it's maybe true. maybe I might have to uh, take you up on that. I'm, like, uh, at the stage of my life where I'm embracing, like, full-on boomer core. Like, uh, last week, oh, I, no. I, I've been watching uh, Ked Birds' Vietnam War series, all 15 hours of it. Uh, and I'm like, this is the best thing ever. I need more like this. Uh, so I think I'm just doubling down on just boomer television. Um, you know, sitting there, I, w- I don't think the history channel is what it used to be where it's just like showing like world war two stuff all day. Um, it's just like ancient aliens and like storage wars episodes now. But if it was, you know, the history channel of the early two thousands or the nineties, you know, I'd be like sitting my keister in front of that TV and just watching it all day long. Right. Um, I will say that I am with you in one sense in that now I can finally let my shorts be as short as they will. I used to be very uh, self-conscious about the length of my shorts. When I was younger, I was just like, well, it's got to be past my knee. It was was in a time where you needed shorts to be big. And now, you know, you'd see – I feel like you see all kinds of dads and pictures of having these incredibly short shorts. And now it's like, I don't care, man. See as much of my legs as I want you to see. Go ahead. I'm not not uptight about that anymore. Are one of my best features. Also, I'm a short guy, okay? So if I got yeah. long shorts, that's just going to make me look stubbier. These short shorts, they add definition. They add leg length, okay? They, they, they make my, my legs seem longer. And second of all, yeah, you got to let the thighs shine. I've been living this short, short lifestyle for a minute now. Um, right now, I'm wearing a pair of Levi's jeans that I've cut into what is essentially, I think the term for this shorts, this short, are called chubbies. I believe is the okay. term. Um, yeah. And they are rolled up so much that they're they're essentially short shorts right now. Um, and that's both fashion and function uh, due to the incredible heat that we're experiencing. So, Will, I welcome you uh, into the kingdom of short shorts. Uh, once you go short, you never go back. Uh, and I'm glad to hear about this new development in your, your new short lifestyle. And I also saw your your short shorts on the gram looking pretty foxy, gotta Thank say. Thank you. Speaking of great themes, I've never I'm I've also never heard the Antiques Roadshow theme, but this did you notice the music in the cold open here when everybody has kind of lost an important object to them and they're finding it in strange places? The the kind of jazzy tune? I liked this. Oh no. This is different. I think I I think I missed it. You know, it would have been a nice touch if they actually just used the real life Antiques Roadshow theme, because as excuse me, as a PBS program, they would have had the rights to it. Yeah, that's true. I'm almost surprised that they didn't directly do Antiques Roadshow, but they always kind of like to keep it in the universe a little. But although on the same token, they did do straight up Nova on that one episode. So I don't know. That's Wonder true, why they true. didn't. What's the fake Antiques Roadshow called in this episode? It's like Treasure something. Um, it is called. It's a Treasure Caravan. 
it was it was when I realized this was an Antiques Roadshow type episode, I wondered if it's still as popular as it seemed to be in our childhoods. Because of course, when I was a kid, as I mentioned before, it's like oh, that's the old people show. But you knew what it was. It was like something that everybody was aware of, even if you didn't watch it. So Antiques Roadshow, the original BBC show, still in its forty second series. And I also figured that, Lucas, you might be wondering what the most valuable item that there was ever featured on an Antiques Roadshow episode. Oh, uh, I, I'm at the uh, edge of my seat. So it was a painting that was valued at a million pounds. Wow. What is that, like a so hundred fi- million dollars? I'm trying to remember. No, that's that. Wait, that was really bad math. I think that's like two million dollars, right? <laughs> Uh, pounds to Canadian dollars? Oh, CAD uh, is a different story, but I think to USD, that's like $2 million. Um, well, let's see, as I kind of take the Lucas roll here for a second. Uh, a million pounds? Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's about a little bit over a million in, uh, in, in USD. Uh, like a million and two, like 1.2 million, uh, or thereabouts, and that's today. So not 2006, necessarily. So, this, this Arthur playing the role of Lucas Mancini here, watching it with Grandma Thora and Kate, and he is really into the show as they are appraising this uh, seemingly ordinary-looking chair that is actually worth quite a bit of money. Thirty grand, to be exact, because it's got dog bites on it. Thirty grand. Uh, there is a very cute moment I noticed between Thor and Kate where, where Grandma Thor is just like, I love this show, and Kate gives a giggle. I thought that was really cute. But DW's not even really sure what the point of it all is. She's a little bit lost in it. I guess DW playing me of just like, I don't really, I don't really get this. So we actually have quite direct representation here. But I think, I think there, it's almost an advertisement for Antique Roadshow because Arthur is living out the fantasy of like, what if you did have something that was that valuable and you didn't know it, and then you could sell it for untold riches? Do you have any? Arthur do you have had, any antiques, yeah. Will? Well, I was going to ask what you think the most valuable thing is that you own. Hmm. Antiques, me, I don't think so. Not directly antiques that I'm aware of, but the most valuable thing that you or I own. My, is what I'm kind of curious my, about. My nonno, Elio Mancini, uh, left me a coin collection. Um, that oh, I haven't gotten wow. appraised. I haven't, I haven't gotten appraised or anything, but there's some pretty old coins in there. Um, mm. I don't know if it's valuable or anything. I also still have, it's funny, our, Buster, later on in the episode, so the Antiques Roadshow is coming to Elwood City, and everyone's trying to look for something to kind of bring in. Buster mentions his hockey cards. Uh, when I was moving... The other day, I found all my old hockey cards from, like, 99, um, and they're all in, like, perfect condition. I, I doubt any of the, I bet they're probably worth about as much as, like, what Buster figures out his is worth, which is, like, five bucks. Uh, but I have quite a few of them, and they're all from, you know, 20 years ago now. Um, so I wonder if those are worth any money. Uh, but yeah, mainly my, my grandfather's coin collection. He's got all this crazy coins from around the globe, and some of them are from, like, 1938 and stuff, or, or even older in some cases. Cool. I, I mean, I certainly hope if you decide to do that, I mean, if if you ever decide to get it appraised or sell it, that it has a good yield. I also have some old hockey cards myself that uh, I get curious about every once in a while. But I'd probably say, <laughs> I don't know if I still have it, and I doubt it's all that valuable, but I used to have, I, got, I bought an inbox copy of Half-Life Opposing Forces for the PC uh, at a church yard sale. And I have, like, I have a feeling that if I maybe save that enough, that could make me some bank. I got Although a buddy I who's got a, on Kijiji. 
I got a buddy who's got all these Sega Saturn games that are worth like 900 bucks. He's got mm, like nice. um, um, Burning Rangers and and uh, Panzer Dragoon. Uh, like I think he, he, I don't know if he ended up doing this, but he was talking about getting his video game collection insured because it was like worth three grand or something. Oh my god! When you're moving to that level of your collection, that's when that's that's the level I don't think I would be able to go to. I would be personally a little bit too obsessed with it. So uh, there's a couple of other characters who are looking to get their stuff as as a treasure caravan is coming to Elwood City to get some stuff appraised. Muffy has like this um, necklace that has like a blue. It's like gold with a blue heart in the center. And she has a whole story that was told to her by her grandmother, who apparently met the Archduchess of Moldavia on a uh, on a cruise many many decades ago. The Archduchess of Moldavia looking a little sus, but there is a reason for that. Like I I had a note here, and I'm like, why does the Archduchess of Moldavia look like Mr. Ratburn? But there is a reason for that. As we get in, as we will get into it later. Also found this really interesting we get a little bit of like the archduchess and muffy's grandmother who looks a little bit like francine actually uh they are playing a game in the full in like the in their room and the archduchess is talking about how she doesn't have uh she doesn't have money anymore and i think muffy's grandmother gave her like a gift of money uh they are playing a game called crokinole which i just happened to play over the weekend for the first time Oh, really? I didn't even know this was real. Yeah, absolutely. It's what it is. It's like it's a board set up and it's all about flicking this. It's all about like flicking your pieces as close to the center as possible. It's actually really cool. Not something that you want to play on like a tipsy cruise like they're on, but Crokinole, really fun. I just thought it was really like, again, a weird kind of not predictor of my life, but weird happenstance, coincidence, that I would be playing Crokinole, and here it is in this Arthur episode. The show just, uh, it's hard to escape sometimes. Uh, so Muffy wants to get this appraised. Buster has some hockey cards, like you said, that he wants to kind of take a look at. He's also got some uh, stuff that he doesn't even know what they are, and it's like a vinyl record and a Rubik's Cube. You know, haha, old stuff. And the Reeds are looking for something through Grandma Thora's attic that they can potentially uh, get appraised and sell. And they happen upon a chair that looks practically identical to the one that they saw on TV. And they also managed to find something that they just kind of offhandedly give to Kate. It looks like a blanket. And immediately I was like, that thing's worth a lot of money. <laughs> like not yeah, not to no, be all like uh, not to be all like I, I, I'm smarter so than the show, but yeah. That that's one of my big issues with this episode is that you know you hate it when it's like you can see the end coming from a mile away. Um, and I know it's a kid show, but we, I like to give Arthur a little bit more credit than that. But when Kate took that blanket and nobody like looked at it twice, I was like, I bet the blanket's gonna be the actual only valuable thing. And yeah. turns out, spoilers, it was. So Arthur's got big dreams for this chair that they're looking to get appraised. And he has, like, if he, he like, pictures being on interviewed on a television show. And I thought this was interesting. It's, I don't know if we've ever seen a daydream where somebody gets, like, yanked out of it without doing the, like, fade into the real world. Like, it just stops dead when DW's like, Arthur, stop daydreaming. I thought that was just, like, it's a, a weird occurrence that we've never seen before. So everybody is in line for Treasure Caravan. 
And the first one who gets her stuff appraised is Muffy, which it turns out that this, you know, beautiful necklace is not actually a priceless artifact. It is a piece of costume jewelry. And the host of Treasure Caravan says that there never was a uh, an Archduchess of Moldavia named whatever her name is, and that it's likely that Muffy's grandmother got fleeced. And we go back to the Archduchess so many years ago, and it turns out it is actually a man disguised as a woman. So I was like, oh, there was a good reason why this seemed off in the first place. Not to say... You know anything, anything like that. But it's just like, why would they get? Why would they have someone who's clearly like a man using a higher register play a woman? And it's just like, oh, that is their. That's what they were trying to do from the beginning. Yeah, this part was a little bit dicey. I was like, I don't know about all this. This is a little bit dicey. Though it was nice to hmm. see uh, uh, Buffy and her family get fleeced. That I'm always happy with. Um, but it ended. It ended off positively enough. Like the host is like, even though it's costume jewelry, it still looks nice on you. Which is funny. Which... I don't know how well that would go over IRL, but it was funny to see her try it. Like, this is her way. Also, the, the this whole, like, kind of end section of the episode that all takes place during the episode of tr- Treasure Horde or what have you, um, it's, it's hilarious that this is, like, all going live. It's not live to tape. Like, this is just, they're leaving all of this in. They're not editing this at all. It's, like, a live broadcast of all these. Yeah. And, and this broadcast is, like, off the rails. Uh, Buster got his hockey cards appraised and he's getting a cool $5 for them, which is good because he only, he only paid a quarter for, to get them in the original. And finally, the Reeds put their chair to the test. And although it is very similar to the chair from 1790 that was, you know, priced at like $30,000 or however much, it was actually made in the 1970s. A nice chair, but not worth all that much. So Arthur's pretty disappointed about that. But all of a sudden, the host notices what Kate has. It's not exactly a blanket. Um, it is a like a Native uh, a Native American dress, I believe it was. It's like an apron. An apron, yes. And that was given to that was belonged to or was given to Thor's great uncle. Oh, Will, it's uh, not actually. Sorry to correct you. It's not even Native American. It's uh, indigenous to Canada. It's from uh, British Columbia. Oh my goodness, that's right. Yes, they made they made the they made the point that this was when Thor's great uncle went to British Columbia. Thank you for correcting which, me. Which this um, is extra funny in a historical context because they do do the very much like Disneyfication version of like, oh, Thor's uh, great uncle, uh, you know, amicably traded with the local indigenous population to receive this gift, uh, which is is very much like kind of a, a whitewashed, especially American view of these events. Where all I could think about was the uh, Canadian heritage minute where it's like the because they're talking about uh grandma thor's uncle like went to the the klondike to get his gold uh uh, as an american going into british columbia and all i can think about for our american listeners is the canadian heritage minute where lieutenant sam Steele tells that guy to get the hell out yeah (laughs) i should have shot him he didn't have no pistol why didn't i shoot him why didn't i shoot Uh, him uh and yes i had the same thought as you of just like how did he really get this yeah yeah i was like i was watching this episode with my roommate and he even he was like this is pretty sus that's what i literally wrote that down to just like this is a little sus like okay but we're not gonna look into it any further so let's keep going and of course uh they can't actually appraise it or get it sell sold or they do get it appraised but they're not can't sell it because Kate's too attached to it. She's slobbering on it. This part is hilarious 
because all of this is happening on live television, and uh, Arthur quite literally rips the blanket from a baby because uh, it's <laughs> worth like five grand even in the state it's in because it's kind of haggard. Um, and mm-hmm. Kate's like crying, and like Arthur has to choose between five grand, which by the way, I feel like eight year olds don't have a good concept of what five grand is worth. Like, what's it really matter yeah. to Arthur? He's not gonna get that five grand. It's his grandma Thor's. I guess he just wants the the thrill of getting a expensive item on um, Antiques Roadshow. But I digress. Uh, so Arthur Arthur has to choose between uh, getting five grand or a, the happiness of a baby child. Um, and we get this a hilarious cut to everyone watching what's going on on the monitors. Buster's literally eating popcorn, watching um, Arthur struggle with the morality of, of ripping a blanket from a baby's arms. Can I just say, Will, I don't care how upset the baby gets. Okay, if I had a, uh, uh, you know, a, a indigenous artifact like that, uh, first of all, I probably wouldn't sell it for five grand. I would, it would go to a museum or something. Um, but second of all, I would not just because the baby liked it, let it slop. But the baby doesn't care. You can get the baby any blankie and it's good. Thank be happy. you. <laughs> I wrote that exact same thing down. Just like, just get, get her anything else. She'll be fine. She's a baby. <laughs> that blanket's Exa- so ex- old, Will. It's so old. Uh, it's uh, so dirty and ratty. Just like, get well, no, no, anything. Not even, not even that it's bad for the baby. Like that thing is like. I don't think I've ever, like, I've never old, owned something that old, like an important artifact. Like, it's history. First of all, it, it, it belongs to the indigenous community if it belongs to anybody. But second of all... Agreed. Like, who cares if the baby's sad? Yes. Agreed. Agreed, it's a baby. Babies, she doesn't, realistically, she doesn't know what the heck's going on. So it's fine. Just get her anything else. So <laughs> She's not going to remember this. Too- There's not going to be any sort of trauma, you know, from... No, no, no. <laughs> But Arthur does give her, give it back to her, and you know, Grandma Thora, or I think it's the host, is like, "Now that's the real treasure." And then we get a great like, line from DW, who goes, "He's only doing that because he knows we're on TV." There's another good line from Muffy that where she's like, "Wow, I didn't think that money could change how someone acts like that." So I, I'm glad they gave her that line, and that's kind of that's kind of just the end of the episode, to be honest with you. Let's rewind it here. Uh, back to feeling flush, Lucas. How did this one strike you? Feeling flush is like it, it's a little bit beats you over the head. I'm sensing a, a trend with season ten where I think, and I wonder if this is going to be a continuing trend for Arthur as a whole. Is that we're getting away from kind of subtlety in the way that Arthur has conveyed its morals, and it's getting a little bit more after school, specially. Um, it was that case last week and kind of the week before, and I'm, I'm starting to see it more and more. Um, this one, it's very simple. You know, you should be mindful of your water conservation. Uh, but that aside, really, really funny episode. Like, lots of laugh-out-loud moments throughout this episode. Between visual gags, like Muffy closing to the pool, uh, to lots of just great, like, uh, verbal gags. Like, the whole opening... Um, you know, Francine being like, uh, that's a little weird. Actually, tons of visual gags in this episode. Like, all the, uh, uh, newspaper headlines are really funny in this episode. Boy finds chip shaped like donkey. Front page news in Elwood City. Uh, Francine's whole dream sequence where there's already a headline and a photo of her in the shower that she's drained all the water in Elwood City. That whole segment's hilarious, too. So just a really funny right. episode. I, I thought the, the ending's a little ham-fisted. 
that it's like, oh, she got... Hey, listen, I love to see Francie get one over on her landlord. That's great. Though, in fact, now that I think about it, from a financial perspective, it just ends up helping out the landlord because he raised the rent anyway, and now he has to spend less on water because he replaced it all with uh, uh, conser- cons- conservatory toilets. So I don't like that. Right. Uh, but besides that ending bit aside, uh, I thought the episode was really funny. I agree. Um, and I also I, I also think you make a really good point about the episodes we've seen in season 10 so far. You're right. It has gotten a little bit more blunt with its messaging. So a little bit less, uh, a little bit more inelegant, perhaps. But at least I wish that they were as like funny and memorable as this episode. I, re- I really ended up liking this, which is funny because when I kind of understood what it was about, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. It's like it's like going to be like a message episode. It really it kind of wasn't compared to some of the other ones we've gotten. And. Yeah, there were several laugh out loud moments. There were like I, f- I thought the actual competition too was interesting. It's not like it's something you would see on any like many other cartoons or kids shows. So I thought that that kind of kept me going, and it even had a swerve at the end, which I appreciated. So this is probably what I'd say one of the better ones of season ten uh, so far. Probably wouldn't say the same about Family Fortune. I thought this was more interesting than like actually good like my notes are basically half the amount that I did for feeling flush uh it was interesting to kind of see how to to think about antiques roadshow really and to see how its influence really spread over popular culture at a time when it was still a little bit relevant I don't think it's as relevant today even though it kind of still continues on I thought the kind of story of this was a little bit weak it was kind of just like we want to be on the show we have a thing for the show, and then we're on the show. And then the, I thought the ending was also kind of weak, but it was, like, it's fine. I, I'm not mad at it. I, I, I had a good enough time, and I thought it was cute enough, and uh, they had fun playing with the formula of Antiques Roadshow enough that I thought uh, I didn't feel like my time was wasted, but I also don't really have any strong feelings uh, about it in the end. Yeah, I thought it wasn't, like... I don't feel like super negatively about it either, but I also didn't really like it that much. I, I, I my biggest issue is that the episode's super predictable. Like the whole time, I knew exactly how it was gonna go. I was like, Muffy's thing's gonna be fake. Uh, the blanket's gonna be the only thing that's important. There's no way the chair is gonna be as valuable. Like it was just a little too formulaic. Um, it's true. I thought a parody of Antiques Roadshow is as good as an idea of Eddie as Eddie, and it, it got me thinking about Antiques Roadshow, which has been kind of just a. Th- it's one of those episodes that was more fun to talk about than it was to watch. So I, I feel like this is one that you could probably skip. Also, the, the the whole ending sequence is just like kind of made me mad, but it was it's almost funny how absurd that whole ending sequence is, especially the fact that it was all on live television. Right. Do you think this is going to spur you on to uh, maybe watch an old episode of Antiques Roadshow? I I actually do think I am going to watch some Antiques Roadshow tonight. Like, look up, like, some YouTube compilation Antiques Roadshow Best Moments. At the least, at the least, Will, you know I'm going to be bumping that theme song. Right on. Uh, Yeah, so that's that Arthur episode for you as we continue our trek through Season 10. Hey, thanks a lot for listening, and uh, of course, feel free to leave us any kind of feedback if you have any thoughts about this episode or about the show or about this podcast. Speaking of this podcast, uh, next week is our Patreon week, which means we're doing another episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, and it was actually hinted at earlier in one of the emails, Anna was talking about when we did an ECL Presents episode of the television show Reading Rainbow 
So we're actually going to be going back and talking about the history and an episode of Reading Rainbow. Let's get some of that LeVar Burton content, and that's going to be going out to all of our patrons next week. So if that sounds like uh, it's going to be fun to you, I assure you it will be. Patreon.com slash Limits, but... Don't worry, there will be a new ECL episode coming up in two weeks. Lucas, the stories we are looking at include such names as DW Ames High and Law and Order? More like Flaw and Order. You're kidding. The episode's called Law and Order, more like Flaw and Order. That's the whole no, it's just name called, of the episode. No, no, it's just called Flaw and Order. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, all right. That's still pretty good, I guess. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I just want to I just want to take that one for a little walk. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got plenty plenty more coming your way as the summer heat continues on. So, Lucas, make sure you stay hydrated, my man. Oh, yeah. I got the Nalgene going. I got a Nalgene on one. I'm dual fisting a Nalgene right now and a blue lobster. So, we're we're staying as hydrated as you could expect on a Tuesday. <laughs> and I think I should get, go get some water myself, too. So thank you, everybody, for uh, being with us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Hiding in the basement won't help. Believe me, I speak from experience. We'll see you next time. <laughs>